What's up, all of my beautiful Crips and Walkers? It is Monday, January 25th, 2021. Welcome to the Handy Schlepp Show. I am your host, Jordan Schrader. The Green Bay Packers fall short in the NFC Championship, and today we are going to discuss disability and faith. All coming up in Handy Schlepp. Hello again, everyone. Before we get into today's topic, I just want to take a minute or two to talk about my Green Bay Packers. First of all, man, what a game. It was exciting, thrilling, a lot of twists and turns, but we end up at the usual disappointing ending. I don't know what happened. Do you know what happened? 31-26, Tampa Bay. Home field advantage, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field for the NFC Championship versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady. I don't know, but I have so many questions, so many more questions and answers from this game. Like, first of all, why did the referees do absolutely nothing until near the end of the game? How much did Tom Brady pay him off this time? And why did we have so many missed opportunities with the turnovers that we caused? At least two interceptions on our end that we could have used, but we totally wasted them. And here's the biggest question that everyone in the sports industry and online is asking. Near the end of the game, final drive for the Grimby Packers, third down in the red zone, Aaron Rodgers had the perfect opportunity to run into the end zone and catch up with the score much more than what it turned out to be. It's right there. He usually does run it in in those scenarios. That didn't happen this time. NFC Championship, your entire season is on the line. What do Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers go with? A field goal. Why? No one knows. And it cost us the game. Well, okay. A lot of things cost us the game yesterday. But you know what? We should be used to this by now. In January, a Green Bay Packer game in the NFC Championship. I don't... See, that's the thing about being a Packers fan. I love it. There's nothing greater than being a fan of the Green Bay Packers bleeding green and gold blood. But um, for the past few years now, ever since we won the Super Bowl 10 years ago, we've gone to a good number of NFC championships, three or four of them. And something always gets screwed up or we choke or it's just a bad game or the referees aren't doing their job. There's always something. I don't know. I don't know about you, but I'm just getting fed up with that. I'm getting fed up with the hyping up every season and playoff season around this time and getting to this point and then just to be disappointed in the NFC Championship. 
That's on one hand. On the other hand, like I said, I just love the Green Bay Packers so much. I think Aaron Rodgers is a fantastic quarterback. I'm excited for what Matt LaFleur, the head coach, is going to continue doing for this team. It's only his second season with us as head coach. Um, I was listening to Charlie Barron's his podcast when he was interviewing Wayne Larrabee, the voice of the Green Bay Packers on the radio. And, you know, they were just talking about preparing for the NFC game. And, you know, there really is something special about being a fan of the Green Bay Packers. There's something about the colors. There's something about the fandom. There's something about the G on their helmets on the field and everywhere else that just makes it so special. It could be the ownership. It could be the longevity in our tenure in the NFL that has made such a staple in American sports history. It could be a combination of a lot of things. Uh, the pride aspect, whatever. There's just so much depth to being a Green Bay Packers fan. And even though we are getting sick and tired of this same old, hyped up, overblown, disappointing ending that we've been getting so many Januaries in a row. I still will forever love my team, cheer for my team, wear my team's apparel. There's nothing like bleeding the blood of green and gold. But enough about that. Let's dive into today's topic. So recently I posted online on the topic of faith and disability. Now, being a disabled person myself, physically disabled with spinal muscular atrophy, a severe physical disability, a neuromuscular disease that weakens my muscles more and more over time, not so much anymore thanks to the help of FDA approved spinoza. Um, this disease basically causes me to get worse and worse over time by its definition. Now, I'm also a man of faith, um, a pastor, if you will. I'm actually going to be officially ordained in the month of April, if all goes well. So you can see that there would be a little bit of a conflict there. And um, being within that and growing up in that environment and growing up with this disease, I totally understand where people are coming from if there is, or I should say when there is, such a troublesome understanding or just a bitterness or a conflict when it comes to God, the Christian faith, church people, whatever it may be. So I posed this question on how has your disability, or maybe you could say, how has your circumstances affected your perspective on faith? if it has at all. And I got a lot of mixed responses. 
I thought it would be a little bit more one-sided, maybe. But you know, I've been wrong before, and I'm glad I was. Because the more mixed, the better. And I love doing stuff like this. Because I just love to know where people are at in their journeys. Not just their life journeys, but their faith journeys. And it's our life stories that form our opinions, our perspectives, our worldviews and our understanding of things. And so I posed that question and a little bit more. How has your disability affected your view on faith? Now, to gain some perspective in this as well, here's a little bit of my faith story. Um, I just told you my disability story. I'm 27 years old, living with SMA. Um, like I said, it's a neuromuscular disease, yada, yada, yada. And within my family, it was very hard. I'm the youngest of three, two older, beautiful sisters, very healthy, living their lives, married, etc. And we all grew up in a very Christian household, specifically Assemblies of God, which is and are under the um, perspective of Pentecostal. Pentecostalism in Christianity is very focused on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the emphasis on living in the Holy Spirit, like uh, speaking tongues or uh, faith healing, or like uh, proclaiming in the name of Christ, the power of healing. These people tend to be very loud and profound and charismatic in their worship. And, you know, they'll be like dancing around. They may also have some rules on what you can and cannot watch. Uh, they tend to be, by definition, a little bit legalistic or very legalistic, depending on the type of Pentecostal. Well, excuse me, it's Monday depending on the type of Pentecostalism that you are referring to. Mine was okay. I know there's some Pentecostals, such as the Apostolic Pentecostals, who are very strict in female apparel and female beauty appearance, such as um, not wearing your hair a certain way, no makeup. Women can only wear dresses. They can't wear pants or, you know, stuff like that. And... Um, whoever's listening to this, I'm sure a lot of you grew up in some form of religious background that you thought was questionable or troublesome or weird, strange or odd. Everyone has a little bit of a story like that. Even if you're an atheist, you may have different views on religion and those church-going folk that I like to say... <laughs> But, yeah, so I grew up in the Pentecostal church. I was very much surrounded by the faith healing aspect, although not as severe as it tends to be. Um, faith healing, you know, like, um, the more faith you have, the more likely you are to be healed, which, as a pastor, I will tell you, is a very dangerous belief system and a very dangerous 
doctrine that can be very discouraging for those in the faith who are not immediately healed, for those of us who have been seeking the healing that we want but never comes, or at least in a way that we do not see it. So, um, after growing up in the Assemblies of God Pentecostal Church, we ended up doing a little bit of church hopping after that or looking around for other churches. Um, during my adolescence, I went non-denominational for a while, and we kind of been on that road almost ever since. Um, I went to college at a Lutheran Missouri Synod University, and for seminary or grad school, I went to a Baptist institution. So go figure, I've been around the block a couple of times, you know, so. But we never let the uh, Pentecostalism in us never die. So right now I am Baptist, specifically independent Baptist. I go to a an independent Baptist church that is pretty darn reasonable and sound in their doctrine and how they view scripture um, with authority and inerrant, as in without error. And it's been pretty good for us, but we never let the Pentecostal in us ever die. Um, one comedian referred to this as being Bapticostal, so um, I still have my own beliefs that are strong in the emphasis of the Holy Spirit. I believe really hard in praying in the Holy Spirit, living in the Holy Spirit, and it's kind of just something you have to ask God about, something you have to study in His Word. Um, some people are really fond of the Holy Spirit, some people are confused by it, etc. But we're not going to get into all that today. That's for a completely different podcast episode. But that's a very abridged version of my faith story. And so, like I said, I've been around the block a few times. And so I've seen a lot of different perspectives under the Christian umbrella. A lot of different um, piety levels, as in some people that are very strong in their spirit, people that are very strong in their religion. And people, and some people not so much. But fast forward now, I kind of want to talk about how that has affected who I am, but how that has affected all of you that answered those questions, and all of you that are listening. So yeah, because I've been in the Pentecostal circle, I've been in many different prayer circles as well. A lot of times after church, my parents would take me up front of the sanctuary to sit on the altar steps and I'm just hanging out. I didn't really understand, although I did a little bit, but people would come up to me, they would pray over me, and almost every week we would be praying for my healing, my physical healing of SMA. And a lot of that began when I was born. I wasn't supposed to live past two years old, but every single, every single night, my dad would carry me around our house 
just praying the word of God over me, praying in the Holy Spirit for me to be healed and for me to be, or I should should say, for me to live past the age of two. Well, I live past the age of two. Hallelujah to that. Praise God. And so I know that circle. I know that mindset. And this comes into the conversation because I see all these different responses from fellow disabled friends and people who have been in that circle as well. And I want to find out the reasoning for where they are at now. What do they think of God? What do they think of faith? Is faith still in their life? For some people, it strengthened their faith. It made them closer to God. It made them humble in who they are and to surrender all that they know to God. But for many other people, it made things much more difficult. I'm not saying you can't be a Christian and go through struggles, because that's the fact. I'm saying that a lot of us reach out to God, pray to God, pray with family and friends for different outcomes in our circumstances. But the answers we are looking for don't seem to come. People that pray over us and maybe they say something really hurtful. Some people said that they stopped going to church and turned away from faith, not really because of their disability, but because of the other Christian people. And you know, sometimes that can be the worst. But I think a couple of the biggest stories that I was shared was how they would be praying for healing of their disability, physical healing, whatever, and it didn't come. And people would say to them, well, maybe you're not Christian enough to get the healing. Maybe you just don't have enough faith. Or maybe you're not leveled up enough in the faith to get the healing that you're praying for. You know, I'm just so sick of stuff like that. I hear that all the time. I heard it growing up. I hear it in other churches. I hear it among other people, family, and friends. You know, that is not what we are to be sharing with people. That's not biblical. That's not what Jesus taught. It's not about having the right condition level of faith. It's not like you're a level two Christian and the one that does get all the healings or whatever is a level 12 or a level 25 or something like that. This isn't World of Warcraft. This is just the world of sin. And you know, I totally understand where y'all are coming from in that. The faith healing complex. The complex that if I don't get healed, I'm doing something wrong. The lie that if I'm not getting the healing that I've been praying for all my life and I'm still stuck with my disability, I must be a horrible person 
or the lie that God doesn't love you enough. And I'm so sorry that these Christians, so-called Christians, made you feel that way. Because that is far from the truth. And you know what? A lot of times it is the church and those in the church that turn people away from God. During New Year's Eve, I was actually having a conversation um, very similar to this with a close friend of mine. Um, she and I talk about faith all the time. And she's very smart, very intellectual. And I was saying to her, you know, um, as people try to make it a rational issue, um, as a pastor and as a church kid growing up and that, I don't, and just from what I know now, I don't think it's that much of a rational issue as we make it out to be. I think it's a personal and a moral issue as to why people get so frustrated with church, faith, Christianity, and even God because of the way that these church folk hurt us or make us feel. Maybe it is a rational issue in some ways. We're thinkers. We're critical thinkers. We have our doubts. In fact, a lot of other people in that conversation that I posted um, talked about how they just simply had some doubts. They had questions. And they got um, discontented and unsatisfied with what Scripture and the Bible had to offer. So they questioned the Bible, and they turned away, and they went elsewhere. That happens too. But throughout all of these responses, and I had many of them, the biggest one seemed to be, like I said, with other Christian people and the impression given to them. In other words, some people would say, oh, it's your sin that has disabled you. It's the kind of person you are and your lack of faith and your lack of prayer that has made you disabled. It, you are cursed in your disability and God is punishing you. No, my friends, that is not the case whatsoever. You were never born this way completely on purpose. God has a plan for you, yes. But one of the reasons as to why there is depravity, sickness, disease, and illness like those that we have in this world is the result of sin. You may hear that all the time, but when you really study and look at the concept of sin and how it has put its restraint and power in the world, in nature, in God's creation, in the way it was never meant to be, it opens up your eyes to God. It opens up your eyes to the fact that we let sin 
into this world because we were not paying attention. In the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, they were persuaded to go against God's instruction. And if you follow the doctrine of original sin, you'll see that in that moment, depravity and desolation entered the world and through time. But with that said, I know your struggle as a disabled person living day in, day out. If this God is so real, where is he? If this God is so real, where is my healing? I still can't believe it when I read that people said to this person, well, you're still disabled because you don't have enough faith. Even though I've heard that stuff, it still shocks me that people can be these self-proclaimed Christians can be so cruel to someone like that and say that. You know what? We say ugly things, but that's just wrong. Or another example is this young lady went to a church that was not handicapped accessible in the sanctuary. She had to sit in the most odd place with her wheelchair. And then people just look at disabled people, or I should say, what's weird is that church folk look at disabled folk as only being there to find healing. As if we're only there as well to be inspiration porn. Or like we're only here to inspire other people. I mean, I get that. I mean, scripture, it does talk about how our weaknesses strengthen and show the strength of God. Where we are weak, God is strong. And that our weaknesses, even our diseases, can glorify God and who he is. But I do understand this. Because I too have felt so abandoned, so forgotten by a God who is supposed to love me, by a God who is supposed to heal me, to care for me. Even as a pastor, it's like, God, am I not doing enough? Did my parents not do enough? Am I, and I'm speaking for all of you listening, and that contribute to the conversation. God, I want to believe in you. I pray for healing, and it never comes. What am I doing wrong? You're not going to answer me? Fine. Screw you. I'm going to go elsewhere. Or even some people said they don't believe in God, but it's not because of their disability. It's because of other reasons. Okay, that's fine too. That happens. But I know where you're coming from on feeling betrayed, ostracized, forgotten, 
and neglected and totally dissed by other church people. Some people say it's not really God I don't like. It's his people. It's his Christians. Ain't that the truth? But I tell you today, even though I've been there, we are not forgotten. We were never forgotten. Whether you're disabled or it's something else, depression, mental illness, entirely, your life circumstances, you are not alone and you are not forgotten. And you're not just there to be an inspiration. You are created and beautifully and wonderfully made, as said in scripture. A couple of my favorite passages I like to look at is Second Samuel chapter 9. Now I'll go over this very briefly. And it's a passage um, regarding King David and his promise to his best friend, Jonathan, the son of Saul. So David and Jonathan, they were total besties. They did a lot of things together. After a while, Jonathan is no longer in the picture. He is dead at this point and in David's reign. But in the last days of their relationship, David made a promise to Jonathan that he would go back and take care of Jonathan's household and everything in it, including a family member named Mephibosheth. And so we, we you see here in chapter 9 of 2 Samuel, let me just pull it up here really quick. And the king David, as in the king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Fast forward a little bit. We get a man named Mephibosheth. And we find out that Mephibosheth is a disabled person living in this house. He's practically ostracized, not used, abandoned, feeling forgotten. He says, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Haven't we all felt that way? And then Ziba, who was someone that lived in the house as well, said to David, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. And what does David do regarding Mephibosheth? So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And what does that tell us? That even someone like him, someone like us, who feels like they have no use, 
who feels like they have no purpose, who is lame in both feet as described in scripture. No matter what your circumstance is, God did not forget about you. God did not abandon you. And God is inviting you today to eat at his table, the royal table. Scripture says, Don't be afraid, David said to him, Mephibosheth, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat at my table. What a great image of God's grace and his love for all of us in every way. Disabled, non-disabled, everyone, no matter what you've done, no matter what you feel about yourself, how down you feel about yourself, what other people have said to you, what other people have made you feel, however they've made you feel. Worthless, out of commission, kaput, joyless, you are invited to the king's table and to God's grace in Jesus Christ. Another passage, if you want to turn with me, is Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but, here we are, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only two cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all give out their wealth, out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. And ladies and gentlemen, I can't tell you how many times I've felt not just worthless, but feeling as though there's nothing else I can give because there's so much more that I know I can give, but I'm unable to. There have been so many times where I was angry with myself, angry with God, angry with my circumstances because I was unable to give more or what I felt like I couldn't give more than what I gave. It's kind of like that feeling of I could have done so much more. And because I'm disabled and because I'm in my circumstance, because I'm stuck in life, because I feel like I have nothing left to give, I'm nothing. I'm just going to give up. 
But I tell you, no matter what level that you think that is, when you give your all to God, even if in your eyes it feels little relative to other people, that's more than what others may give out of abundance because you are wholeheartedly and devoutly using all the gifts and all the will and all the joys and talents that God has given you and giving it all. In other words, you give more in your circumstance than what other people give in abundance. You give more and you contribute more because of your heart. And Jesus sees that. He always sees that. And he acknowledges it. That because of this, you are worthy and you are loved. And there's a reason why Jesus points this out and why this is noted in scripture. And the answer is like we're saying, you give more in what you have than other people. So you are not worthless. You are not broken. You are not nothing. You are not forgotten. God loves you. God is going to use you in your disability, even though it's hard, even though people just suck sometimes and make you feel like nothing, discourage you. No, that is not the case. No matter what, keep going. Your disability does not define you. You are not forgotten and you are not abandoned ever. Let's pray together, shall we? Bow your heads, if you're able to move your head. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for all those who are listening for everyone who, not just disabled people, but anyone who has experienced doubts and questions and turned away from you because of these said doubts and questions or because of other people who have made them feel bad. Other church people that made people like us feel unworthy, unimportant, feel abandoned and forgotten. But you, Lord God, you remember us. You never abandoned us. We may feel that way sometimes, but you are always there. You do answer prayer, but not always in the way we want it. Today, Lord God, we pursue you as the healer, not just the healing. We pursue you in all circumstances. 
I pray for everyone who's listening to this. I pray over all who contributed to the conversation, Lord God, and that you will bless them today and that you will help all of us, Lord God, and that I encourage everyone just to hang on, Lord God. You never forget us. We pray this and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for listening again to the Handy Schlaft show. Again, I am your host, Jordan Schrader, and today was Faith and Disability. And if you'd like to continue in the conversation, please go on Facebook on facebook.com slash Jordan Schrader and send me a message. Or you can email me at jordanrobert71 at gmail.com and we'll continue that conversation and beyond. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you and stay classy. Take care.